Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. So I am the betrayed partner. I can totally see how it's an intimacy disorder that my husband has. Why does it seem like he is pretty good at, get, at being emotionally intimate with talking and cuddling, et cetera, during our first two and a half years of dating with no sex and the first nine months of our marriage before he started the typical addict behavior? Looking back, there were some red flags, but why did it go from pretty good to pretty miserable? And is that most common? Well, I, again, I find this, um, first of all, when you start relationships, they can feel incredibly intimate. First year or two, they're all you think about, you think they're perfect, you want to tell every single friend about them, all their love songs are written about all that. Um, and we often have a lot of sex. Um, so, you know, this is sort of the intensity dating, getting to know each other stage. It can take six months, it could take a year or two, especially if you're in dating mode. But once you're in a relationship, then it's a whole different ballgame. And um, it's scary. You know, it's uh, for us addicts, the closer we get, the further away we feel like on some level we want to be. Or we certainly want control over how close we get to you. So, you know, number one, I think there were probably things going on that you didn't know about in the first two and a half years, especially if you're dating. If you're not living with someone full time, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on that you don't know about. But um, what I don't know exactly, Tammy, is what this person means by, the, uh, sorry, and first nine months of marriage before he started the typical addict behavior. Do you think that's about how this person treats her or more like? Yeah, I think it's the now? intimacy disorder because it's, it's mm -hmm. probably the disconnect, you know, because like, oh, we're talking and we're emotionally, you know, cuddling and, you know, we're close, right. we feel close. And now mm -hmm. we're married, we're having sex and, you know, there's the disconnect, which, you know, that I'm, I, what you talked about well, with the uh, emotional vulnerability, you know. Well, I wanted to say something about that. Um, when you say he's pretty good at being emotionally intimate with, with talking and cuddling, um, that sounds sort of sexual or physical. And there is that kind of intimacy. But I think the building block of intimacy is being re is revealing yourself to other people. Is he letting you in on his struggle? Is he letting you in on how he feels about what he did? Is he letting you in on um, on this? Are you asking questions about this? And he's actually being open and responding. And, you know, I, in other words, if I said, you know, if I was him and I said, you know, I think I really shut down and I understand what you're saying. It kind of reminds me of when I was growing up and getting closer to you, blah, blah, blah. That's intimacy. That's mm -hmm. taking my vulnerable self and saying, here, you could hurt me. You could let me down. You could leave me. But here and hopefully you'll move toward me like, wow, I can get a better sense of that now that I'm listening to you. So I'm less interested in the physical touching um, or even the, the chatting. I'm much more interested in is your partner um, not just being honest with you, being emotionally honest. I think this is what every spouse says when I hear from them is uh, they don't talk to me. They don't answer me. They're not connected to me. It's a lot to do with emotional. They never tell me anything. I don't even know what's going on with them. All of that kind of disconnect, that is the emotional lack of intimacy. But sex is just a part of that. And some people think the word intimate means sex or sensuality. And, and it doesn't. That's just a piece. Um, so, Tammy, I'm not sure about the good to miserable entirely. 
part of it I'm a little suspicious about, but that's just me. Yeah, but, but well, I think it is an opportunity for communication of like, and even when we were, before we, when we were dating, you know, we, you, you know, we were connected. I felt like you were interested in what I had to say. I felt like we were doing this and now it feels like there's a disconnect. Are you feeling that too? You know, it doesn't have to be, you're doing this. You know, it's like, how do we have the conversation, you know, um, uh, you know, and I'm also curious because you're saying, you know, I'm the betrayed partner. So you're identifying that there, you know, there is sex addiction or some other problematic behavior, porn addiction, whatever. So I don't know if that was identified, like if he said, by the way, I'm a sex addict right. and you were dating and things were fine. And then you, you know, got married and now things have, you know, uh, he, he's pulled away and, and displaying more of the addict behavior, or if you've discovered he was an addict after you got married and, you know, um, uh, then that's when all of that hits. So, so, so I'm not quite sure, you know, the timeline of, of things, but, but, you know, there is help and support for each and both of you, you know, to help figure out, you know, here's where we are. And where do we move forward? I'm going to give a plug because Dr. Rob is really, really, really good at helping discern, you know, where things are. So he does a one-time two-hour expert consultation for couples and often can help them identify what the issues are. You know, if you're stuck, you know, um, it can be, you know, here's where we are and, you know, give some guidance for moving forward. It is not therapy. It is not treatment, but he's helped a number of, you know, he's pretty, you know, he's a straight shooter too. So it's not going to be all sugar coated, you know, but you will have a pretty good reading of where things are. So if you're interested, reach out to me. I'm it's happy a lot to of work in two that, hours. So. So it's a lot it of work in two hours. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. I do want to say also that we're very good at seduction when we don't have you. And then once mm -hmm. we know we have you, and I don't, you know, the ring necessarily, we're just for when we feel like they're in with me, then we get kind of complacent. It's like, okay, well, I got this person. What else is going on out there? So being in the hunt, we're good at that. But real intimacy, not so much. And I'm talking about addicts. Yeah. Now that's a, that's a very good point. So, okay. Next question. Two months from the umpteenth discovery, no flowers, but thinks we shouldn't be having sex because he is saying all the right words. The words over the week became overwhelming, and I told him that. Later, he sent a question from a site, and I answered with a support, with I support you in finding a group and moving to recovery. He turned my words around on me and said he was overwhelmed. No support group for him, no therapist, et cetera. I don't want to be a victim, but how? I don't know if there's more to that one. Nope. So... So there's the situation. Well, I see that. Yeah. Um, well, I would say that this is um, this is a situation that's in trouble, and it's not going to get any better. I mean, this is somebody who should be in treatment of some kind or getting some really serious help because this is gaslighting. I mean, he's sort of like giving you this and then telling you to go that way, and you know, and then when you have a feeling, you get blamed for the feeling. Or I, I do hope you come. We do a lot. I don't know how many times, but at least three free, no cost um, support groups for partners. And I think, that, yeah. and we have, and they're moderated by therapists. And I just think sitting in there and listening to the other spouses, maybe some of them will even, you know, I don't know if they can chat each other here. I don't know. But um, um, this is typical for us is to, when it, the heat gets a little too hot, we, you know, we, we toss it on you. 
And unfortunately, when you're hurt, a lot of you spouses will say, oh, yeah, I guess I do have some part in it. And no, you don't. <laughs> it's uh, you're being manipulated and uh, no support group, no therapist. Um, I, I do want you to ask answer the last question, Tammy, because I think it's a really good one for you. So I don't want to be a victim, but how? How do I not be a victim of this man twisting my words and not being responsible? You know, all of that, because she knows what she's feeling. Yeah. And, and I what healthy boundaries. I, I think it's really difficult to not feel like a victim when you're at his whim. You know, um, when you say this is my healthy boundary and until and unless you, you know, whatever is right for you. And, I'm, you know, that that has to be. You know, the, the challenge people say, well, what are healthy boundaries? And it's like, I don't know. What do you need for your safety? Emotional, physical, financial, like what boundaries do you need for you? You know, um, it, it's about your safety. So, but um, yeah, the, to me, absolutely the umpteenth discovery, uh, you know, I mean, he's not even coming to you and saying, I had a slip. It's, it's absolutely, you know, you're finding out. So this is a person who has not even started moving towards doing things differently and lip service of, you know, I'm sorry or whatever would be meaningless. So what do you need to do to set healthy boundaries for you? And then if he's willing to step into that, then you might see the possibility of having a relationship. But if he's not, you know, then, then what do you need to do if he's never going to change, if he's never going to get help to be different, what do you need to do to take care of you? And that does not mean you have to leave the relationship. Some people do, but many people go, I'm finding the support. I have my support group. And so what he does or doesn't do is less impactful to me. You know, I can, I can have joy and peace regardless of what he's doing. It's a little easier, you know, at times than others, but it doesn't have to be every time you have another discovery, it completely rocks your world, you know? So, so I don't know what's right for you, but I agree. We have a treatment program. I did want to add one thing because sometimes the obvious is what I forget about. You are a victim. You may not want to be one, but you are, and you're continuing to be victimized in this situation. What that whole thing says is I was victimized and I'm still being victimized and I don't want to be a victim. Then how, as Tammy said, what can you do for yourself that can get you out from under this victimization because it is happening and you feel it. It just feels like it, it sounds a little bit like you think it's your fault or something that you should, you know, I, I would say someone's hitting you and what are you going to do to make sure that they don't continue to hit you? And by the way, there are simple things like, are you sleeping in the same bed? Are you having sex? Is this person on the couch? Is this person still in your house? You know, there are a lot of boundaries that I think you can set the more you get in touch with your anger. And right now, I think this is, you haven't quite gotten there yet. But I see no discovery, no flowers, which means no apologies. When you got upset, it's, it's it, when he gets upset, it's your fault. I mean, yeah, I would toss this person and change the locks if it's possible. Um, but certainly I wouldn't be giving them a lot of focus and time. So the next question is, how is letting go of resentment or the pain of betrayal different than just pushing those feelings of betrayal <laughs> aside? That's a great question. I'm I'm sorry, Tammy. It made me think of, you know, um, those questions you had in uh, AP classes, like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, what is a cow to a, you know, this is the mm -hmm. second mm -hmm. one, you know, mm -hmm. if a cow is to a moose as a moose mm -hmm. is to a, anyway, mm -hmm. sorry, I just, uh, these are tough ones. Okay. Um, 
why don't you start? There's, I mean, I would ahead. be happy to. So, so if I have a resentment and I, I got to share this, I hate this. Um, but early in my, um, it, when I was early in my sobriety, someone said that I was letting someone live rent-free in my head. I hate that because I don't feel like it should be my fault and I shouldn't, you know, it's not me, but if I'm holding on to a resentment, they get way too much of my mental energy and it hurts me. You know, it may not hurt them at all. In fact, they may or may not know about it. So, so for me, the process of letting go of, of forgiving them or whatever is about coming to the realization that I have no control over them. And all I can do is, is work on my actions and reactions, pushing, just pushing it aside is putting it on the shelf and that just will fester. So, so it really is a process. Dr. Rob talked about forgiveness is in layers. Grieving is in layers. All of these things are in layers and, you know, and it will, you know, it can poke, um, you know, it can poke up again, and, but then I can go, no, I'm choosing to let go of that, you know, cause I, I just don't want to, I hang on to it. So, so to me, it really is not pushing it aside. It is, I'm making a choice to not let that toxicity, you know, take hold of me and, and, and hurt me, you know, cause that's resentment is what is it they say um it's like um drinking poison and expecting the other person to to feel the pain of it or die you know it's not yes, it's, it's like, like poisoning yourself and, and expecting them to uh yes but i really want to speak to this question if uh, real Please. quick because um i i words are important to me it's part of what i think i'm reasonably good at is really listening carefully and that's why the consultations are useful because i don't miss much and I think that you're asking two questions here. I think you can let go of the resentment. I think that you can find ways to come to peace. Your resentment is really a form of anger um, and wanting to make them see how angry you really are. You know, that's really about you. Um, and I think there are ways, as Tammy talked about, you know, there's therapy, there's support groups, there's a betrayed partners group coming up, by the way, and that would be a great place to go to work on your resentment. But the pain is something else. You know, resentment is like you can work on let go, but pain may be there for a long, long time. And so while you can let go of resentment with some work, I think pain is a different kind of wound. And you probably have to let that one play out with, in other words, I don't think that's a let go of. I think that's one, one that you're going to need to examine and get support for. And um, it's a whole different process. I can write down all my resentments and start to work through them. But sitting in the pain of my losses, I, I can't, that's not an exercise. That's not something I let go of. It lets go of me. So yeah, but you can get support, you know, like support. Yeah. Yes. If, you know, if I'm talking to somebody like if I have a, you know, if we have a, a loss of a friend that we, you know, care deeply about, if we're talking about that person, you know, there's, you know, there's that shared, you know, um, but you know, when oh. you've had a loss of somebody else, I, I know what that feels like. Cause I've lost people. So even if I didn't know your friend or your, what, what, like, it doesn't matter. I still can connect with that. And, you know, I can share and be there for you and help support you, but, but, but it doesn't magically make it all better, but you know, a pain shared is all also a pain lessened, I think so. Well, that, well I, I also think that it's, you know, you, uh, you don't want to push this pain aside, but you do want to feel comforted. You do want to feel understood. Um, you, no one can make it go away. But as Tammy said, you can ground yourself in connection with other people and a pain will be more tolerable. Um, I, I often say when one of my dogs uh, passed away, 
um, I put a pictures all out on Facebook, like, oh, how cute my dog is and blah, blah. And everyone came back and wrote, that's really sad. I saw you and your dog together and I know how hard it is to lose a dog and, you know, stuff like that. Um, did I feel less pain because I put all that out there? No, it still hurt like an info. But there was something very grounding in having people understand me and have them have me know that they'd been through this. And, you know, it didn't make the pain go away, but it was sure grounding and comforting. And that's, I think, what we do in those support groups is help you find each other in your pain and begin to let go of it. So um, thanks, Tammy. I agree with that one. Absolutely. Okay. Next question. I am thinking of changing therapists. The therapist is all about me. We are going through the recovery zone one and we don't work on my relationship. It's easy to steer the conversation where I want to go avoiding areas I don't want to cover and he doesn't hold me accountable. That's the biggest thing right there is, and he doesn't hold me accountable. I have asked him to challenge me, but he wants to be gentle. Is this a me problem or should I change? Well, this is a trick question. In yes. my mind. Yeah. And the reason it's a trick it'll be question like, is Dr. Because, Rob said I should change therapists. So. <laughs> oh, well, that's, 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 uh, that's another way that it's tricky. But, but the way I thought it was tricky is you already know what you're not saying. You already know what you're avoiding. You already know where you should be held accountable. Why do you need the therapist to do that? How about getting, I mean, yes, certainly there are therapists like me who can be very confronted, very direct, but it's a certain stage of the work. It's when people are in a lot of denial, they don't have a clue, they don't know what's going on with them, um, and they really need someone to push them into looking at things differently. But you know things. If I was sitting with a therapist thinking, well, I don't want to talk about that, and I'm just going to change the subject, and you know, if he doesn't hold me accountable, then I'm not going to bring it up, you're not doing your part. You know, we, can, we are not mind readers. <laughs> we are not mind readers. And, you know, some people are more direct than others, but most of us are well-intentioned. And if you are trying to look good in front of us, I can only imagine what you're hiding from the people you love. So why don't you make yourself accountable? Why don't you say to your therapist, you know what? I was wanting to make you responsible for making me tell the truth. And I realized that I have to tell the truth and I don't need you to be my dad chasing around after me to make that happen. So to me, I'd love to see you take accountability and rather having than having things change outside of you, I'd like to see something change, some things change inside of you. I love that answer. <laughs> I love that answer too. And you know, cause I was thinking, like if you're just going to a therapist to check off the boxes, you know, rock on, you can keep doing the same thing and have the same, you know, uh, results. And if you're in a relationship, don't expect it to get better. If you, if you want to change how we change is we do the work, you know, um, um, I shared this before, you know, and it's about the 12 steps, but the elevator to recovery is broken. Please use the steps. You have to do the work. You know, you have to pick up the tools and be able to use them. And we've heard so many, I mean, lots of people come to treatment because they've continued to lie to their therapist, minimize with their therapist. They're not making progress and it's painful to them and to relationships as well. So, you know, at some point, you know, aren't you ready to get real and do things Honest. differently yeah <clears throat> recovery living in recovery is such a gift it is so good like if people understood that they would be jumping through the hoops to get there quicker you know rather than you know being stuck in the mud so um well I, you know it takes a long time to wash that mud. <laughs> to carry yeah. that metaphor forward i i did want to say something about um uh, also in here which is the therapy is all about me and we don't work on our relationship well um, 
first of all, I would be working, uh, I'd be focused on you too, considering what you just said is going on. I would not think you're really ready to approach a relationship if you're not being honest with me. And I would expect you to come up with that. But, um, but I, I got to tell you, you know, we run a residential treatment program. It's called Seeking Integrity. I think we do some of the best work in the country and I'm there a lot. So maybe that's why I think that. But Tammy plays with, is okay with my narcissism. So, but in no, any case, I say world because we have guys that come from all over the world for treatment. We do. But there is no more That's expert true. clinical team than seeking integrity. I I know that I say that all the time. So, well, and 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 rightly so. But I I you know one of the main reasons that people men come to treatment probably ninety percent of the time is for their relationship. They want to save their relationship. They want don't want to lose their relationship. They don't want to get divorced. They want to parent their kids together. Whatever it is, it moves us off the dime when we really feel fear that we can lose someone. And it's really interesting because we will, in our heads, when we're acting out, dismiss our partners and devalue our partners and you know tell you horrible things, but let you move one inch away from us. And boy, do we become, oh my God, oh my God, I'll change, I'll do anything. But here's the thing, when people come to treatment, they, they, want to, they want to fix their relationship. I can't take that away from them. I've tried. You know, it's really a primary motivation, but I really think they do get to a point where they understand that what's equally important is that they heal themselves. And they really do get, I think it's one of the things you get in treatment. It, it's, it's, it's not anyone else. You know, it is, it is my responsibility. I created this. I need to find my way out. And here's why it happened, you know. But in any case, we there's absolutely transition treatment, I think, from I'm doing this for my relationship to I'm doing this for me and hopefully what happens in my relationship. And again, I don't hear someone, no offense, I just think you have a lot of work to do. And this sounds like a question more focused on saving something than actually focusing on healing. Sorry about that. Yeah. And I'll use another 12-step half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. I can quote the whole thing, but I won't. But, you know, I hear half measures for you. So you won't get any of the benefits of recovery if you're doing half measures. You will be stuck. I have a, a, I, a I, I took a picture of, um, I like quotes, and there was one where the bicycle stuck in mud or quicksand or whatever. And it says, you know, if, if you're stuck, it's probably because you like where you're stuck. And so if, if you aren't, you know, you're stuck because you're choosing to be, it's not because you have to be. So I love what Dr. Rob said of like, make yourself accountable, show up differently for your therapist, show up differently for yourself. And then eventually for your relationship. But right now for yourself and your therapist would be a start. Do the work. And, and I want to say, go to your therapist and say, I've been lying about this and I haven't been accountable about this and I've been waiting for you to stand up and then see where the relationship goes because perhaps you're the one who's keeping it superficial. And by the way, I remember Tammy going to a therapist and saying, you're not tough enough on me. You're, And he said, you know, I'm not your sponsor. That's not my job. Go get a recovery group. I'm here to help you find your way out. Um, so, you know, we do have different roles in treatment. Yes. And, or even in groups, sometimes you're really going to get challenged, but in the day-to-day in therapy, I think you're going to get more supported. So. Okay. One last question. So I, oops, I got to put my glasses on so I can really read you it. I remember hearing I, yeah, on the, well, I remember it's hearing on the podcast, to... I know where an essay stated that they gained their freedom at the expense of their spouses. And this feels very true. My essay wife feels that when I bring up topics to process, it brings us back to D-Day. Please provide us with advice on how to own her stuff and how I can process through it without digging up the wound. Um, 
You want to start, Tammy, or maybe direct me? Because I'm looking at, there's a lot of things in here. So I'm trying to figure out. So the it, addict feels when I bring sound... up topics. So it's this, the short version right. is when, when, the, when um, the partner brings right. up topics to the addict um, that it brings back to D-Day. So oh, I see. At, yeah. And I don't know if D-Day is discovery day or if it's their formal therapeutic disclosure. This feels like you right. guys haven't processed through enough because if you've done a formal therapeutic disclosure, you would have as part of that when we, you know, if we're bringing things up, if something else comes up, um, uh, discovery day. Oh yeah. Yeah. You guys are, so I'm sorry, with all due respect, you guys are very early in the process and you doing your work and having uh, like, we talk about this on lots of, this is a long question. So, um, so I, go ahead. I, I did want to say though, that, um, that uh, it's not your spouse's, however your spouse feels about what they did, that's not your problem. And, you know, it does depend on how you bring it up. You know, are you yelling? Are you asking questions every 12 seconds? Are you, you know, Tammy and I often recommend that you have a time each evening where you meet and talk about this. So you're not talking about mm -hmm. it all day long. Right. Part of the hard, to, the really hard part about being a partner is you ruminate about this stuff. And, and you think if I just get that answer or that answer, I'm going to feel better. And the reality is it just brings up more questions um, because you're grieving and that's part of your grief process. But um, I, I think you've got it, which is, um, you know, um, own your side of the street and how you're bringing up what you're bringing up. And I agree with Tammy, you know, there, it, it feels like there's not a right therapist in here. There's not a therapist in here. There's no, you guys are just beginning. And, and well, do but go it to says the 14 months, but it's discovery day. But so it sounds like, I know, but that's why I hear is like, there hasn't been, I, I don't hear professionals involved in this. I don't hear formal therapeutic disclosure. I don't hear the process for, so it feels like you guys are DIYing and, and that would be a struggle. So, so um, like, what is your essay wife doing for her recovery so that you're starting to build trust? How is there a plan to talk about difficult things? You know, are you getting support mm -hmm. as a partner, you know, as a betrayed partner, you know, for you in a pro-dependent lens? So, so it feels like there isn't enough um, professional support and structure around this to be able to have a, a difficult conversation about, you know, I mean, it, it, it's not okay for an essay to be reactive of like, well, you're just saying, bring it back to discovery. You know, that shuts down conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.